Our story begins in a time long, long ago, deep in an enchanted forest on the distant moon of Endor. Welcome to the Percolated Media Ewok Retrospective Series. No, Mace, no! Join Garrett. I wish we had furry creatures like you where I came from. Matt. That's it, my face! And Adam. You can do it, you're brave, you're strong, you're my friend. As they continue their look at the Star Wars franchise by reviewing the two movies starring those little furballs from Return of the Jedi. There's no escape for you, my little. What besides completionism drove Garrett to want to do this series? We came on a star cruiser and we crashed! Had Adam ever seen these before, the boys decided to review them. Ah, ah. And how does Matt feel about reviewing a set of Ewok TV movies? That's a horse! Find out the answers to these questions and more, maybe in Ewokies, courtesy of Percolated Media. Yep, yep! Ewoks, The Battle for Endor, aired on November 24th, 1985, Thanksgiving once again, and this is directed by Ken and Jim Wheat. So, the Ewok adventure, Caravan of Courage... None of us liked it last week, but it got a ton of viewers, 65 million viewers, as I mentioned. And, of course, you knew that they were going to come back. And Lucas started interviewing directors almost right away because this aired exactly a year following last week's film. He started interviewing directors, and he came across Ken and Jim Wheat. Their pitch was so interesting. I'm shocked that this got them the gig. But they came in, and they almost came in David Lynch style, where they were just like, you know what, George? We hated Caravan of Courage. Couldn't stand it. We're going to do something different. My guys. George had had an outline all set, and... George proceeded to drop them into the ring corpus. And and he keeps on his face. Yep. (laughs) This thing got made, and oh my God, what a movie we got here. Adam, what were you expecting when you were about ready to pop in Battle for Endor after last week's movie? I'm assuming you weren't really looking forward to it, as you alluded to at the end of last week's podcast. Yeah, that's the understatement of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You generally don't go up in quality when you're talking about made-for-TV things. So knowing that last week's film, yeah, it got 60-plus million viewers because families plop their kids down in front of a TV while mom, daddy, aunt, and uncle were drinking on Thanksgiving. I had no idea what this was going to be, but I cannot say that it was something where I was like, this is going to be a great continuation of what happened before. Goudreau, same. Well, since this was a Thanksgiving release, if there was a Black Friday line that I could stand in to prevent me from watching this, I would have stood there until my knees buckled. (laughs) Well, I think we can all agree right off the bat. If last week's template was Lord of the Rings, this week's is a show me and Adam grew up on Heidi. Remember Heidi, Adam? Barely. I have a different template, but I'll get to it as we discuss it. I do, too. But there's a reason, because George had just watched Heidi with his daughter the weekend before, and 
he sat down with these two and storyboarded the idea of a little girl being orphaned and living with a grumpy old hermit in the woods. It's every Catholic priest's fever dream, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Literally. <laughs> so the, the Wheat Brothers, they, they had seen movies like Swiss Family Robinson and The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and they kind of wanted to format this in that way, and Lucas was all for it. I cannot talk enough about what happens in this movie, and the fact is that I had heard about this movie, but before I'd watched it, I never really understood exactly what happened in the course of it. Boy, oh boy. The first time I watched this was years later. And I was dumbfounded by what I had seen. Honest. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump in. We're opening up. We're seeing Wicked and Sindel galloping through a meadow. And Sindel is talking about the Star Cruiser. It's almost ready to go. So Sindel's going to be leaving soon. And this is when Sindel tells Wicked the meaning of goodbye. Little does Wicked know. In fact, it's going to happen in three and a half minutes. He's going to find out that meaning before he knows it. <laughs> Sindel promises she'll be back soon as Wicked smells danger, and we cut to a raid on the Ewok village. Fucking genocide in an Ewok movie. Marauders swat at Sindel and Wicked as they fire and kill a variety of Ewoks, and then faster than you can say dead, we see that Sindel's entire family, including her brother Mace, who, by the way, say what we will about how bad he was in last week's movie, he was the star of that film are slaughtered. What a fucking beginning here. So this kind of made, this pissed me off because it made me feel like I wasted my time watching the last movie. <laughs> because not only do they die, they die off screen and they die for nothing. It is strictly shock value. So that 90 minutes I suffered through like a goddamn endurance test on a treadmill was made redundant in the opening sequence of this movie. So you weren't pleasantly surprised by this? You were just pissed off by this? Oh, I was surprised, but it it felt like, good thing this is a retrospective, because this felt like a retroactive experience. Well, you know, you know who worked on these and also worked on Return of the Jedi, which we never even mentioned? A guy by the name of David Fincher was working for ILM around this time. This feels a lot like what he would make a number of years later when he did Alien 3, where he just decided to kill Newt and Hicks right off the bat. It has the same exact feel to it to me. Wow, yeah. So my first note is, wait a minute, is this the same family that it was last nope. week? Like, I didn't think this was going to be picking up, you know, right away. Absolutely noticed the father and who he was, and I was like, hey, they got somebody to be in this one, to be my next line going, well, I don't know what they got him. I guess they paid him 10 bucks to show up for an hour. Because <laughs> suddenly, you know, this family being killed off screen, and you only know by looking at the little light bright bracelet, you know, <laughs> on her wrist. <laughs> I was shocked. I was blown away. But I don't think it's bad. I wasn't expecting a Braveheart-style raid on this village. But I think it's pretty damn effective. I'll tell you what. It actually got me into the beginning of this movie. I am completely with Adam here. And you know who else is pissed about how this movie started off? It was Eric Walker, the guy who played Mace. Because he had signed on for three films. <laughs> and so when he saw this where he's killed off in the first five minutes. I mean, he gets a few shots in, but it doesn't take long. We also skipped over the fact that the mom is face down. We're seeing her face down. We don't know if she's alive. We know that Mace is kind of trying to protect her. But then when the explosion goes off and we see the look on Sindel's face, oh my God. And I'm with Adam. I think that was a wise thing to do. And I was kind of shocked in a good way. Yeah, I was. Mace, for being the star of last week's film... I think was definitely one of the many rocks that 
was holding that thing down under the water that he was in. So, hey, you you suddenly just thinned this out like a freaking herd of cattle and reshaped what I thought this was going to (laughs) be really, really quick. Meanwhile, an evil witch, Cheryl, and Lord Tarek are looking for the power source. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to step in. The template for this was Power Rangers. Oh. Because this this is fucking Rita Repulsa (laughs) and Lord Zed. (laughs) And that's all I could think of watching this. Oh, my God. I I get the Force has, you know, mystical elements, but now we just have a straight-up witch. More magic on Endor. You went to there, and I went to Masters of the Universe live action. That? And you know what else I got vibes of? Last week was lots of rings. But here, three years later, Lucas would do Willow. Think about it. We have a witch. Very Willow. A MacGuffin the bad guys are searching for. This is the fucking blueprint for Willow that he would do three years later. Very, very much. Yep. Mm. (laughs) Matt, you got Power Rangers? Oh, this, okay. that, that witch is Rita Repulsa. I will give Matt that. Absolutely. I, know, I wasn't into... Uh, my brother was into Power Rangers. It was kind of past my time. Well, so was this. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I, I do want to bring that up. Return of the Jedi was obviously my peak Star Wars phase. By the time these movies had came out, especially this one, by this time I was eight. Not really old, but still, like, I was already starting to kind of wane off. Especially Ewoks. I mean, I was probably still into Star Wars, but when it came to Ewoks, not really. The Marauders, they're looking for the ship and the power source, and holy moly, can this guy, Tarek, move his mouth once, please? (laughs) We thought last week's makeup was bad. (laughs) I mean, he's intimidating. He is like seven feet tall. They got a really tall actor to be this guy. But it's like every time he talks, his mouth just stays in one place. That's the problem with a lot of the masks in this one is, you know, they're not bad necessarily, but they don't move enough to make you feel like it's anything but a rubber mask. And the other problem with this, and I am getting into continuity stuff like Matt is, but this is right before Return of the Jedi. I think Marauders would have been kind of cool to have for the Empire. I mean, (laughs) this is another race that we've never seen before. And it makes the Empire, by comparison, look even dumber because these people can slaughter the Ewoks without much trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a great point. They had less problem. And there's less Yes! Like, there's considerably more marauders than there are stormtroopers. And they don't have ATSTs. They don't yeah, exactly. Have, they don't have a Death Star being built outside. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like basically, you know, instead of the fight in the Viet Cong, it's basically that they called the Khmer Rouge. <laughs> Tarek finds his power like He-Man, as Adam pointed out, as the dad is shot, and right as he tells her to go to the Ewoks, Mace also dies. <laughs> you guys got your wish. Bye-bye, Mace. <laughs> and, of course, the principal from the Breakfast Club, he probably had to be on that set anyway, so he, he flew the coop right after Sindel is found by Cheryl before getting captured and put in a cage with Wicket and other Ewoks. They move across the land as Sindel's bracelet goes dim, the light bright bracelet, as Adam called it, and Wicket promises to take care of her. They make a hole in the carriage as Wicket and Sindel both escape. The marauders find them and chase them through the forest and up a mountain right as the marauders fall off. They walk through and find a place to sleep. Wicket starts exploring and finds a bone that belongs to some weird pterodactyl-looking creature. More of this stop motion. Oh, man. Although, I I do think... I'll give a compliment. I think this looks better than last week. There's a lot in this movie I like a lot better 
or at least somewhat better. Uh, some of the stop motion later on, and some of it, but I think right here, I think the cave stop motion looks looks lazy. Like, I don't feel like they actually put a decent amount of effort into making this look good for the production, and that's a shame. Some of the other stuff, yes, but right here, I, yeah, this time I can't. It's almost like scene by scene was done by a different studio. Because mm-hmm. parts of it do look better, but I'm sort of with Adam where it, as far as this particular piece, it's not up to par. And I love how Sindel accepts the slaughter of her family with the emotion of an automaton. Like, there's no grief, there's no nothing. I thought this was going to be like, you know, Man on Fire starring this seven-year-old girl. <laughs> oh, my God, I want that movie now. You know, I read something where they said this was a Captain Phasma origin story. <laughs> I like that. You know what I'm going to say, though, is is Wicked and Sindel escaping out of this little uh, carriage? That Samuel L. Jackson in The Winter Soldier right there, cutting a hole in the bottom and escaping. Oh, yeah. It's Mason Mason's back. It all ties together, <laughs> it folks. It all ties together. I also love how they, they don't try to break out the other Ewoks. No. I know. <laughs> Fuck you guys, we're taking off. Screw you guys, I'm going home. And by the way, Matt, you know, these guys would be used to writing and directing on an automaton because not 15 years later, they would do Pitch Black with Vin Diesel. So. And these guys also worked on, uh, they were the co-writers of Nightmare yep, 4, yep. Mm-hmm. which is, by the way, far more imaginative than most of what's in here. I don't know, man. I think we get some good stuff here. We'll get to it. Well, it's, definitely, it's certainly more ambitious and interesting than the last movie. Like, by default, I'll be on record saying that. Yeah, and last week's movie, we, we said it, but it, it had it was a fantasy, it was a kid's movie, it was almost a nature film, being narrated by Burl Ives, so it kind of has that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Rankin-Bass feel, as we mentioned last week as well. Here, we're going for something totally different, and I'm going to say, you know, I, I think it's ballsy to go this way. And I, I, I like the fact that they went this way. I like the fact that we actually have an adventure here. We have stakes going on here. We have a lot going on besides a pair of parents strapped in a cage. Yeah, well, this is more like fantasy in the sense of sword and sorcery, which was popular at the mm-hmm. time. You know, stuff like Conan and Sword and the Sorcerer, Beastmaster. I mean, hell, there's a fucking medieval castle that the villains are yeah. in. Not, not an overly technical one like you would think in Star Wars, which is space fantasy. No, it is a medieval castle complete with a giant moat. Yeah. <laughs> On the forest moon of Endor. <laughs> <laughs> so Wicket fights off this pterodactyl with rocks and sticks before Sindel gets carried away. So here we have the little girl, the quote-unquote hero of this movie. Now she's getting carried away as well, and I'm thinking, are they going to kill her too? Also, <laughs> oh, it would have been Man on Fire starting. There Wicket. you go. <laughs> Wicket glides over and saves her right as they crash land and a pterodactyl flies away. They hide in a rock and are found by Teak, a furry creature reminiscent of Yoda when we first meet him in Empire. This guy is on something, and wow. It's weird because we have so much genocide going on, so much murder going on, and then once we meet this creature, I just have a sinking feeling like, oh god, we're getting kidified again. Yeah, I think he's definitely there to sell a cute little figure and make the kids laugh. And I'm not going to lie, he kind of comes through in that regard. I should absolutely hate this character, but I I don't. I think it's the best effect might be the way that they make yeah, him run. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. He reminded me, Matt, of that one of those gremlins that we saw in Gremlins 2, the new patch. Just kind of the way he acted and things. And I'm with Adam. I think he's a kind of a creative new character, and I kind of dug him, too. Oh, God. <laughs> 
I, I feel like I'm in the, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills right now listening to you guys. Uh, again, th- this is the part of Star Wars I hate where it's just fabricating creatures for commercialization. That, that's all I can see. It's bad enough with Ewoks, but they just compound it here. And this kind of looks like the prototype, like, like discount Roger Rabbit. So you sound about as grumpy as the next character we're about ready to meet. Well, that's how, you know, they could have calmed this thing down. He's probably going to get diabetes from all the sugar. (laughs) They move until they're at the house of Mr. Diabetes himself, Wilfred Brimley, and he couldn't be more grumpy. Cocoon and the Natural, two very good movies, came out the same year. So this guy was a star, I guess you could say. This was the wave he was riding at this point. And according to Eric Walker... And even the little girl who plays Sendall, Wolford Brimley, fucking hated the two directors of this movie. Called them the idiot <laughs> twins. According to Eric Walker, the majority of this film, especially the scenes with Wolford Brimley, were directed by Joe Johnston. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Because I think there's a difference that we get when Wilford Brimley is on screen. And, yeah, it feels like it's slightly different. And, you know what? I don't blame him. <laughs> I mean, maybe you should just... <laughs> You took the job, you knew what you were getting. But other than that, I don't know. I think he injects some quote-unquote legitimacy into what we're watching here. Maybe this is his fever dream from the thing when he was locked up in the cabin. But it also, can we say, now that Star Wars is in Disney, we found a way to get a cottage in the woods in another now Disney movie. You know the difference between us 25 years ago and us now is if you had asked us this 25 years ago, we'd say, oh, that fucking bastard. Why couldn't he just enjoy being on the Star Wars movie? But now we're like on his side as we're reviewing. <laughs> Goudreau, were you feeling a lot like Whiffer Brimley here? No, because I enjoy being on this planet. <laughs> but this, this, I hate this cliche in movies of the crotchety old man. That turns out to, you know, have a heart of gold deep down. I, I'm so tired. Th- this shit's more played out than using Skywalkers in Star Wars movies. <laughs> but he's, it's not legitimacy. It's more of like recognition where it's like, okay, there's someone here I actually recognize. Because I think this this is history. This is the only thing Wilfred Brimley has ever received top billing in. He insists that they leave. But as they go, Teak gives Wicked and Sindel some food. Which, he obviously knows that Teak is doing this. I think deep down, as you said, Matt, you know, he's got this heart where he does feel bad for these two. Yeah, I mean, look, if they showed up at that door with a box of Quaker Oats, he would have let them in the broth. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some of those old commercials where he's coveting that box of oatmeal like fucking Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we didn't have Lord of the Rings in this one. Wicket accidentally sits on a fire stick as Sindel says that he's her best friend. They're interrupted by Noah, who insists that if they want a fire, they can have his fireplace for the night. Sindel has a nightmare that the Marauders are there, and Noah insists that he'll look after her. I love how he goes to sleep in his nice warm bed and makes the two of them sleep on the floor. <laughs> that was a no, nice touch. No, no pillows, no blankets, no nothing. <laughs> Noah sees Wicked outside and tells him that it's time he and Sindel run along home. We cut to Tarek, who insists they find the child. We then see Noah. He brings the two back and feeds them pie and lets them sleep again. The next morning, Noah tells them how he ended up there, which is while waiting for someone to bring back the crystal from his power drive, and he knows that Salak just isn't coming back. And what the question I have here is, what is it about this fucking place where everybody's crash landing here? 
Especially because in Return of the Jedi, they were able to land. I know! (laughs) But every time we turn around, there's a new set of people crash landing on this place. Somebody thought this was Dagobah. Oh, jeez. There's dancing going on in the house before we see some pratfall comedy in the shape of a bottle cap. (laughs) I'm sure Matt really enjoyed. Sindel and Noah have the death conversation again as Sindel tells him that her dad's last words were, I'll always be with you. So we're trying to tug at the heartstrings here, but Matt, I'm assuming that you're not going with it. Gee, what made you say that? <laughs> yeah, this is, um, oh my god, this this movie's totally a fucking It really is, it's all over the place. <laughs> like, because that, fir- that first one, it's definitely kidified, but this one starts with a, you know, a, a ballsy, provocative opening, and there's parts of it that, you know, they're not afraid to have some degree of maturity. But there's other points where it turns into a freaking Looney Tunes cartoon mixed with the camp of Power Rangers. It is a, as difficult to navigate as apparently docking on Endor. <laughs> well, it should be said, when this originally aired, it did have a parental advisor in the front of it. Yeah, parents don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> they are warning you that it does have some stuff that kids are not going to really respond to. And it's definitely different, but I think you're right. I think once we get past that genocide, we're here at this point, and... It sure doesn't take Noah long to warm up to these two. Now we're getting into a whole different territory. And Adam, do you agree that the tone of this is just all off? It's shifted. Amazingly enough, I, maybe it's because this little girl can carry this better than her older brother carried last week. Yeah. But I am much more into this. I just am. Maybe it's having Wilford Brimley. Maybe it's the little creature that looks like he's ripped right out of Dolph Lundgren's Masters of the Universe, the little what's-his-name that played the little keyboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, snar- Snarf from Thundercats. He's Snarf. Oh, my God, he is Snarf. But I find what's going on here much more compelling than last week. You know what? I'd watch a I'd watch a TV series or at least an episode of A Ship in the Middle of the Forest with Wilford Brimley and his buddy crashing and figuring out what to do. I shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> I was going to say Disney will ha- fall over that. Disney Plus, they might yeah. do it. Yeah. We are already cursed because everything we mention gets made anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, when they do, we can, um, we'll get our world. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they brought the Blurg back. Those that wondered where the Blurg showed up in the, in the Mandalorian just know John Favreau has watched these Absolutely films. he has, yeah. Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Sindel make an appearance in that animated series? It's been a really, really long time, but I believe she does. Mm-hmm. And it might just be them telling a story, if I remember right, but I, I believe so. That series was awful. I remember. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> but as a kid, it's a cartoon. Yeah. It's 20 minutes. And it, it's not a 90-minute live-action movie. And you know what? As somebody who would sit through Muppet Babies just so that we could get to the Star Wars scenes that the Muppet Babies would reenact, I would watch this, too, just because it had Star Wars attached to it. And I yep. tried watching a few of those episodes for this podcast. They're all on Disney+, Plus, and <laughs> I couldn't get through one full episode. I was like, I've seen Smurfs. I'm good. <laughs> I like Muppet Babies. You shut your mouth. I, oh, I love Muppet Babies. Don't get me wrong. No, I, I was talking about the Ewok series. I wasn't talking about the Muppet Babies. I'm talking right now. I'm not watching any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Sindel sings Noah the song her mom used to sing to her before going to sleep. Meanwhile, Sindel wakes up and swears that she hears her mom as she follows it and is sub- sub- subsequently captured by Cheryl. Now, let's talk about this character. Evil Lynn? Yeah, Evil Lynn. That's exactly what I thought of, by the way. That is That was my next note. But apparently she also has Sith powers, which... 
I guess <laughs> is not canon now, but when they, they they did put this character and this race of witches in future books and things, and they did have Sith powers, which I found interesting. Yeah, technically she's a Knight Sister. Yeah. And for those that know, or those that have played the Jedi Fallen Order video game, you go to that planet of Dathomir, that's where Darth Maul is yeah. originally from. So it's tied into that whole Night Sister Dathomir lore, uh, at least on the surface and in some of the really random single book EU that used to exist. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, and this is kind of a cool character that I wish they could have expanded upon. Oh, God, another thing I shouldn't have said. Uh, <laughs> this is it's out of place, though, for it is. Star Wars up to this point. Yeah, positively. You know, much like the magic from last week was, this is obviously out of place. And the weird thing about this character, too, is I don't know the drive she has. What is she still doing here? Why is she working for this guy when she's clearly got that, more ability than he That does? was exactly my point. Yeah. Like, there's no point of her actually being here. She's not fighting for their cause. She doesn't know what the fuck power they're after. I don't think anybody knows what power they're after. Why is she even here? Speaking of why it's here, we get a suit em up scene featuring Wilford Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would see a Rambo suit him up scene starring Wilford Brimley, but here we are. <laughs> a fucking montage of gearing up for a battle, and it's Wilford Brimley. Which is good, because he's going to turn into Batman here in just a Absolutely. little bit. They leave, and Sindel is taken into a castle. Tarek tells Sindel the swims are here at his castle as guests, and he tells her that he needs to learn how the power works. And I love the balls on this chick as she resists at every single turn. Like, she is not giving in. Uh, Team Noah and Wicket continue their journey to rescue Sindel. Sindel finds the Salak that Noah was talking about hanging on the wall. This was another thing that, wow, for a TV movie back in 1985 that is geared towards kids and is aired on Thanksgiving, we're seeing a corpse on a wall? <laughs> well, speaking of props from Spirit Halloween... This thing is so fake that you can see the fucking nails sticking out of the bones. <laughs> Wicked and Noah, they come across some acid for water right outside the castle. <laughs> they get in. Cut to a Gorax cameo. I wasn't expecting this as he cheats at cards with a marauder. This was kind of cool, I guess. They make they make their way around the castle, letting their friends out as they go. Noah blows up the wall so they can escape as the Ewoks start their descent. Noah finds Salak and takes the power source before heading out of the castle. The marauders start falling in the acid. Meanwhile, Tarek takes Cheryl out, and she flies away as a bird. So this chick can shapeshift. Yeah, she's Diavol from Sleeping... She's both Diavol and Sleep and Maleficent, all in one. Damn it, you beat me to it. Yep, that's exactly what she is. You guys are right. She has no place in this movie. The marauders, they start chasing the Ewoks. The game of cat and mouse continues until Noah puts Wicked in charge of the attack, which is done in of itself. <laughs> Noah starts trying to power up his ship as the Marauders approach. They attack Teak, and then the Ewoks treat them like stormtroopers as they just start taking them out, Return of the Jedi style. So we're getting this battle from the input from Return of the Jedi all over again here. Yeah, it's it's a re, it's a redux. Uh -huh. You know, in the same way that a certain Star Wars movie remade a new one. Oh God, <laughs> we'll get there in a few months. So, so the the president was here. Yep, it sure was. Noah gets a gun working as the Ewoks are obviously downsizing as they're using a catapult so small I don't think my cat could fit in it. This fucking thing. <laughs> this thing is this thing is fun. It look what it looks like half a toaster. 
I don't get the way that it and, or what it's made of, and I'm kind of sad that we didn't see this style being used against the Empire, mm-hmm. but it's it's effective, and they got the range dialed in really good on this thing. Adam, we are three quarters through this movie. I don't think I've ever heard you have as much fun reviewing a movie as you are today. You're having a blast with this, aren't you? This thing is it's it's crazy, and maybe it's because I hated last week so yeah. much, but I can laugh my way through this one. And you know what's amazing is my kids came into the room about halfway through. They were like, there's an Ewoks movie? I'm like, there's two, but you may not want to watch them. <laughs> and my daughter, who's 15, so she's older. And for those that have listened to this podcast for a while, yes, my daughter's now 15. Wow. Pray for me. <laughs> goes, you know what? The Ewoks are fun. I think I might watch this. Oh, boy. <laughs> so at least part of this action scene that they had going on had her want to watch more Ewoks. <laughs> But what Alex say? That's my yeah. yeah. <laughs> he went back and watched something, kids. On the <laughs> <laughs> Wicked is captured, though. They're about to shoot at him before Deej saves the day. Sindel is grabbed by Tarek, who tells Noah that he has a choice. He either gives him the power or she is doomed. Noah is obviously on shrooms because he challenges Tarek to a fight, and that's what we get. Oh, wow. <laughs> Again! We have a battle, a sword battle, I guess, between Noah and this big-ass fucking marauder. It's crazy. Yeah, I never thought Wilfred Brimley would be a sword-wielding action hero. <laughs> and, and, and he, like, it's like watching modern Steven Seagal do a John Wick movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which exists, by the way, if people want to look for it, there's a trailer on YouTube that is one of the greatest edit jobs I have ever seen. Where it's Steven Seagal in a chair fighting people like in in the John Wick movies. Isn't Wilfred Brimley in this about the same age as Keanu Reeves is now? <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Although Wilfred Brimley looked like he was sixty. Yeah. yeah. Probably probably in his like high school yearbook pictures. <laughs> he's got like Willem Dafoe syndrome where he's looked the same. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Tarek has Noah down before Teak jumps into the fray. He gets tossed like a football before Wicket throws the medallion Tarek's way, and he burns up like Stripe in Gremlins. Oh, this is the precursor to Anakin being set on fire, too. <laughs> I kind of dug this. I kind of dug the way they kill him off. I don't know what this medallion is. I, I haven't really said in my summary. Like, they established this earlier, but I don't know exactly what it does, but it's kind of cool that it kills this guy. Yeah, I was wondering if I missed something. Like, I know we yeah. see it, but I'm like, I, I didn't get any sense of it, this kept him alive or powered him or kept the souls of all the people who watched last week's movie in them <laughs> to keep this guy alive. But I don't understand how or why this perfect shot that breaks it kills him, but okay, cool. <laughs> this seemed a random like, hey guys, shit, we've only got like 10 minutes left. We've got to get out of here. <laughs> Well, it's a video game. It's time point. to go home, kid. Yeah, it's a video game at this point. Hit the enemy in their weak spot. Critical hit. They walk away and head to the ship. Noah has obviously found the power and tells Wicket goodbye, calling him a brave and fine little warrior. He tells goodbye to Teak. They couldn't fit Teak on this ship? That pissed me off, man. Like, Teague has stayed with this dude for how long? This guy's been taking care of him. You know, they they're obviously have some kind of connection. But no, he gets on the, the ship with Sindel and is like, no, you stay here. I'm going. Bye. Because if Teague goes with him wherever he's going to go, he's going to go to the authorities and tell them all the stories of what he did <laughs> on the planet. Though I've got to give him credit, you know, for this power source they had. 
I think I have the exact same electric Coleman lantern in my scout camping kit. <laughs> <laughs> he tells Teak that he's going to miss him as Sindel gives Wicket an E.T.-type tearful goodbye. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what they the glycerin they use to paint tears on Sindel's face. I know. <laughs> She's trying. She's but trying. It's like... It's like they've made little plastic stuff to, to well, glue on tears. My comment would be, do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> Noah fires the ship up, and final waves are given as the doors close and the ship blasts off and credits roll on the battle for Endor. Perhaps my shortest plot summary ever. The, the title of the movie tells you what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Scale of 1 to 10, what do we give Battle for Endor? Adam, you go ahead and go, sir. You know, okay, Battle for Endor. I think maybe they should have switched the titles of these films around because last week seemed to be a battle. And I think it took a caravan of courage for us to come back and be willing to review a second Ewoks movie. But I'm going to say maybe it was just the utter depths of depravity, low expectations I had. But as much as I flogged myself the second time, I didn't hate myself when I was done. I didn't need a shower. I just needed to wipe my face off when I was done. There's more effort put into this one. It seems like they actually at least had a script to shoot. Wilford Brimley brings a face of somebody we knew. I think cutting out the family that didn't matter helped this movie a lot. But you know what? I enjoy Masters of the Universe, the Dolph Lundgren live action film. And this has so much of that in it that there's my nostalgia fun that Garrett had in last week's film. I didn't hate it. I, I can't say, ooh, you got to go and see this. But if you have to pick one of these two, I'm going to say watch Battle for Endor, even though it may be hard to understand the beginning and why the family matters and such. But I think it's a more enjoyable watch than the other one, if anything, to see Wilford Brimley bust out a Batman-style grappling hook <laughs> three-quarters of the way through this film. So... Uh, say it's it's the most it's the most Lucasfilm LTD mashup of Willow and Ewok that you're possibly going to get, but maybe because I was just having a good time with it, I enjoyed it more. So I'm not going to push it to the light side of the Force, but I'm going to give it a I can't go a five just because that's just kind of recommending it. So I'll give it a four point five, but a high four point five. 4.5, that's lower than I was actually expecting from you after the praise you lavished on it. All right, Goudreau, scale of 1 to 10, what do you give Battle for Endor, sir? Well, this is definitely a more, or I should say, it's definitely a less strenuous experience getting through this in comparison to Caravan of Courage, because in the same way that the first one was derivative, you know, this is hearkening to a specific subgenre of fantasy, but not in the best sense in the knockoff sense like you know this is the you know one of the knockoffs of Conan the Barbarian of which several I have mentioned on the show mixed with Power Rangers I just can't get that out of my head but for what it is and largely in comparison to the previous movie it's easier to get through and I do think some of the production design even though a medieval castle in a Star Wars movie doesn't make a lick of sense there is a level of uh, of whimsicalness once you get past the family outright being slaughtered and the Ewoks being sentenced to a lifetime of servitude, that I do think would be more effective if you are looking for something in Star Wars that is accessible purely for kids. You could do worse than this, last week being a prime example. But much like Adam, I can't give this a 
a recommendation in a viewership sense as a grown man. So I'm going to go a four on ten on this. You know, it's definitely better than Caravan of Courage, but in the grand scheme of Star Wars, you know, this is still bottom tier. Four out of ten from Goudreau. You know, I find this to be an interesting contrast to last week's film, and meaning that if you like last week's film, you might hate this movie. If you hated last week's film, you might like this movie. I didn't particularly hate last week's movie per se. Maybe it was a little nostalgia creeping in. You know, I said it when we started doing these Star Wars movies. I was going to try my best to look at this from a critical point of view. Maybe the nostalgia and what I remembered as a kid watching that first movie made it go up to a four. It's amazing that I'm justifying a four out of ten, which I gave last week's film. But I'm going to justify this movie by saying I didn't hate it, but I sure as hell didn't like last week's movie. This one I liked more. I liked it two points more. I'm giving this a six out of ten. I just think the balls it takes to take these cuddly little creatures that George Lucas built that 1983 empire on, basically, where he sold a bunch of plush toys and whatnot, and just kill them off, leaving, admittedly, the most commercial of the Ewoks, Wicket and Sindel, to go to Wilford Brimley's place and basically turn it into, as Lucas put it, an episode of Heidi, pretty much. Is fascinating to me. The fact that they David Finchered the beginning of this movie, I, I cannot get over the genocide that happens at the beginning of this movie. It's crazy to me. All that being said, it's not a great movie. It does fall into the same type of stuff that last week's movie did in that there are some pratfalls, there's some comedy that doesn't really hit, there's some things towards the middle that kind of make it drag a little bit, but not nearly as much as last week's movie. And the final battle, we, we didn't even mention, the final battle goes on at least about a good 20-25 minutes. It's a, it's a nice long battle. And I, I kind of dug it. It definitely didn't feel as cheap as last week's movie. I had a better time watching this one. So yeah, it's a 6 out of 10 for me. I do say, kind of give it a shot. And I disagree with Adam. I don't think you will be lost at all if you were to put this on and not see last week's movie. Yeah, you might not have a liking of Sindel as much as if you watched last week's movie, but you don't have to go through having to watch Mace for an hour and a half, just whine and bitch and complain and make that movie so toxic. Decent time with this without having to watch that movie and follow Sindel along on her adventure. So yeah, 6 out of 10 for me on Battle for Endor. Alright! So many things to look forward to in the summer and... We're going back to Superman later on. We have so many things going on. And some horror coming up, too, which I'm not going to reveal yet. But, Matt, you did a hell of a job with this schedule, man, because we have we have some good things coming up. So, thank you, gentlemen, for going to Endor with me two weeks in a row to review these two <laughs> movies. And until next week, you will give me the podcast now. Thank you, gentlemen. On their way home, the inquisitive Ewoks decide to investigate the strange object Deej spotted from the sky. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Three Men in a Retrospective podcast, exclusively on Percolated Media. Join us next week for an entirely new review. What were you guys talking about? And if you would be so kind, please take a moment to give us a positive review and rating on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you. It truly helps others find and discover our podcasts.
would feel much better. And if you enjoyed this show, please check out our other podcast series, such as Indiana Jones, the films of the DC Universe featuring Batman and Superman, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Avatar, and so many more. The Three Men in a Retrospective podcast is produced by Garrett, Matt, Adam, and Nathan. I want the power. The Three Men in a Retrospective podcast is edited by Garrett. Get your hands off her! Voice narration by Adam. been here ever since. I don't even know how long I've been here. The Three Men and a Retrospective Podcast is for review and discussion and all clips, music, and audio cues are used as such. Gotta go. He's gonna come back. Come on. The Marauders they gear up the ship and they they're they're looking for the. I'm sorry. The Marauders are looking for the ship and the power source and and Noah insists that he'll look after her. I love go how he, he goes to sleep in his nice warm bed while he leaves them to sleep on the tell, floor. Tell that again because I stepped on it. I love how he.